conclude our series 2020 vision. We've we've started the year with saying, God, give us a clear understanding of who you are and a clear understanding of who we are. 2020 vision, it's about seeing what you should see. And we live in a world that loves to operate in confusion. And yet, we see this principle at work over and over again in Scripture. Where God will open up the eyes of his children. That we would see not just what the world wants us to see, but that our our disposition would echo Paul's prayer when he said, I pray that the eyes of their heart might be opened, or I pray that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened in order that they may know the, the hope to which he has called them. His riches, the riches of his inheritance and his incomparably great power that's made available to all of us that believe. And that's my prayer this morning, that, that you will have 20-20 vision, that, that you will know that God is, that you'll know that God is love, that you'll know that God is faithful, that you'll know that God is powerful. And this morning, that you'll know that God is calling because the harvest is plentiful. You know, we, if we spend much time around someone, what will happen is this, is we will, we will begin to connect with that which they connect with. We'll continue to, to love that which they love. In fact, I saw this a couple of weeks ago. We had our, our Super Bowl party here at the church, and, and I saw a number of a number of spouses walk in and they had football jerseys on that I know that they didn't grow up in that region of the country, they didn't grow up cheering for that team, but because it's a passion for their husband, because it's a passion for their wife, they have adopted that team and taking, taking it on as its own. There are things in my own life, in my own world, that, that I love because of the time that I've spent with my bride. Now, I will tell you this, that I am thrilled that my wife was not a fan of country western music. <laughs> because we've been married for 35 years and there's, there, there are two things that, 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 that I, it doesn't matter if we were married 50 years. I, I, I could never love country western music. I don't know what country it comes from. And cats. <sighs> I'm glad that I married a, a dog lover. And for those of you that are cat lovers, just calm down. By the way, I, truthfully, I don't have a problem with cats. I've just found this, that cat lovers tend to be real sensitive, and I just love to kind of pick on you a little bit. That's all. Dog lovers make a joke about dogs. Dog lovers will laugh. Cat lovers make a joke about cats, and they're like, oh, my. But we do. We tend to love. When there's a love in our life, we tend to connect with that love. Apostle Paul understood this when he, when he wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said this, for the love of Christ compels us. 
He said, the reason, that we, the reason that we share Christ is because the love of Christ compels us. What he has done in our lives, we are compelled to share the reality of what that is with others. You are called. You are called to be a witness in your world. And, and, and here's, here's what I want you to understand this morning. It's not just because God loves the world that he's called you to share the reality of who he is. It's because God has given each one of us a wonderful gift in the opportunity to be ambassadors of incredibly good news. Oh, the church has gotten sideways on this from time to time. The the church has gotten to where it, it, it communicates judgment, right? There's a a decent part of the world that's convinced that church people dislike them, look down upon them, even hate them. But that's not the message that God gave. In fact, when he sent out the 72, he told them, he said, I want you to proclaim the good news. And that's what he's called us to do. He's he's called us to go out into the highways and byways and, and compel them to come in. We're all called to do that. Now, there there are, there are elements of the life that God has spe- specifically for you that it's important that you, that, you, that you pray about it and that you know with specificity that these are the steps that God has for you. I'll give you an example. It was, it was six and a half years ago that God began to speak to me about moving my family from a place where we were very comfortable and very secure to, to relocate to Orlando and to become a part of Calvary, Orlando Calvary. It was important that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was hearing from God because we were doing a, a good work in Illinois. We were doing a, a work that we were seeing God bless and seeing God prosper. So it was really important that I heard from God on that. And so I said, God, I, I, I want you to I want you to give multiple confirmations. I, 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 want, I, want there, I want it to be settled in my heart. I, I want it to be settled se- separately, individually, in the heart of my wife, Jody and in the heart of both of my children. And, and God, was very, God was very gracious to me and very kind in giving me multiple confirmations that this was what he had for me, that this was this, this significant step, this faith step that he wanted me to take, and not just me, but he wanted my family to take. There are aspects of the life that God has called me to that I don't have to pray about. Now, now I pray that God, will, that, that God will give me favor, that God will give me opportunity, but I don't have to pray about whether or not I do it. I'll give you an example. Being a witness to my neighbor, sharing who Jesus is in an overt fashion to my neighbor, I don't have to pray about that. Because while there is a specific calling to my life and while there's a specific calling to your life, there's also a universal calling that we all have. And that universal calling is to be salt and to be light. That universal calling is to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. See, each and every one of us who are in the room this morning, we are either a missionary God's given us a mission to fulfill or we're part of the mission field. We're part of the lost that need to be saved. And so 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the laborers are few because we tend to have a disconnect from the understanding of our universal calling and because we all deal with those questions. The questions that come, I'm confident of this. Anyone who spent any time in the church knows this. You know this morning that God loves you, true? God's crazy about you. You also know that God cares about your coworkers, correct? Your classmates, your neighbors, your friends, your family members. And you have an understanding that he's called you to be salt and light. And yet, if you're in the room this morning and you don't share Christ with people around you, I want you to know that you're not in the minority. In fact, do you know that over 90% of Christians never lead another individual into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? It's a startling statistic, but it's true. And here's what I know, I know this, it's not because of selfishness. It's also not because of ignorance. You know what it is? It's because the enemy is so good with what I call the scheme of the question. And so we have these questions that, that will just, that will, that will bring confusion, frustration, and even entrap us. God gives us a great response for those questions. And there are, there are so many examples in scripture of, of God speaking into the life of an individual and them wondering, okay, God, why me? And there are, there are a lot of examples that I, I could pick from this morning. I, I could pick from Gideon. God appears to Gideon and God says this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's response is, really? Really, God? If you're with me, then why am I dealing with all of this? And God, uh, you don't want to choose me because I am the least of the least of the least. God put his hand on Jonah. Jonah goes, uh-uh, not me, I'm out. But you know that the example that we, that we most often are drawn to and the example that I want to talk about this morning, it really is, it's that classic example. It is the quintessential example. We will say, you know what? If I'm gonna do that, it's gonna take a burning bush that's not consumed, right? It's the story of Moses. And Moses' response when God taps him on the shoulder is so classic and it, 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 it resembles in many ways the responses that we give when God taps us on the shoulder. And Moses navigating through those natural questions really provides for us an understanding and some revelation into how God wants to guide us through those natural questions, those questions that are a result of our own humanity. And, and when, we, when we think about this issue of God calling us, right? That God wanting to move by his spirit through us to impact others. The first very natural question is we look at ourselves and we say, but who am I, O oh God? You find the story, it's, it's, it's recorded in the Bible, in the, in the second book of the Bible, in Exodus. It starts in Exodus 3, 
And we find this, we find that Moses, that he is, he is there out in, the, out, out in the wilderness and he is, he is watching over his father-in-law's flock. And as he's there and he's, he's just doing what he's done day after day after day, there is this, this burning bush, this bush that's on fire, and, and, and the fire is very evident, and yet it's not consuming the bush. And so it, it captures Moses' attention and his, and his curiosity. And so as he approaches the bush, this voice comes from the bush and it says, Moses, take off your sandals. For where you're standing, it's holy ground. And so Moses, he takes off his sandals. See what it is, it's a statement of, of remo removing that which is impure. So he takes off his sandals and he, and he stands before the, this, this bush. Moses already recognizes that there's something profoundly spiritual happening. And God speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to know that I've heard the cries of your people. I recognize their suffering. And it is the heart of God to lean in to the cries of his people. It's the heart of God to respond when his children are going through a difficult time. Moses, I want you to know, I want, I want my people, I want your people to be delivered from their suffering. And Moses, I'm gonna use you to go and to be my spokesperson, to be, to be my ambassador, to be my voice. And Moses, I'm gonna use you to set these people free. Now understand what God's calling Moses to do. He's not calling him to sacrifice his life. He's not calling him to some, some task that's gonna, that's gonna cause M Moses great anguish. He's giving him opportunity. He's calling him to something that is a, a natural inclination of the heart. And yet even in that, Moses asks the question that we so often will ask ourselves, but God, who am I? If you're here this morning and you struggle with the issue of identity, I want you to know you're not alone. If, you, if you're here this morning and that issue of, in, uh, of thoughts of inadequacy, it, it, if that periodically comes over you, Okay? or maybe even consistently comes over you, I want you to know you're not alone. There are more folks like you in the room than not like you. It is the, it is the natural response, it is the natural human response when we're, when we're compelled to move forward in, in, our, in, our, in our sin nature, in, in all that we are, and, and the way that Satan works in heaping guilt upon us, it is a natural response to go, I don't think I can do that. I think that you've chose the wrong person. God, if you truly knew everything there was to know about me, trust me, you would not choose me. And, and that's the feeling that Moses has in that moment. Now, we, understanding the story of Moses and understanding the journey of Moses, if we're gonna pick anybody, we're gonna pick Moses. Moses is a son of the house. He's part of God's chosen people. And we see this, right? We see God's 
hand upon the life of Moses from the very beginning. When Pharaoh was executing children because of his own anxieties, because of his own fears, Moses is saved. Not only is Moses saved, Moses is saved by Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised in the house of Pharaoh. Moses understands both his culture, he also understands the culture of Egypt. If there's any one of God's people who is uniquely qualified to stand before Pharaoh and to speak to Pharaoh, it's Moses. But he can't see it. This is so often the case with us. Others will see our gifts, talents, and abilities much more clearly than than we do. Why? Because we get caught up with that question, but who am I? But who am I? But who am I? And if that's something that you deal with this morning, if you're here and and on any level, that question of your own ability, your own identity, If on any level you struggle with feelings of inadequacy, I want you to know, number one, you're not alone. I want you to know, number two, that God has an incredible answer for you today. Because God is consistent, he does not change. And because God doesn't change, the same answer that he gave Moses is the answer that he gives you this morning. And here's what he said to Moses, and and, and here's what he says to you this morning, I am with you. See, you, you go with me. I think about the days when my children were younger and, 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 and the difference in their, in their level of courage if dad had them by the hand. Or those moments on the playground, right? When they would sit on the swing and they, they would be, they'd be a little bit nervous about getting, getting too high. Unless unless it was dad behind them pushing the swing. If it was dad behind them pushing the swing, it, was, it wasn't, daddy, I'm afraid. It was higher, daddy, higher, higher. Why? Because they knew who was pushing their swing. Who's pushing your swing this morning? You see, when we, when we have a firm understanding of this connection with very God of very God, we'll find this, when, when, we, when, when we truly grab hold of that, we'll find that, that, that big question of identity that it, that it tends to fade into the background. And God has brought you this morning to say to you that you are his beloved daughter, that you are his son, and he is crazy about you. And you have identity and you have purpose And so lean into that, trust that. I I understand that this issue of identity, that man, it it can be a struggle. But God has brought you here this morning to speak this truth over you and to confirm to you. God has had you, you tune in via, via the various media streams today to speak to you even in your own home this morning and say this to you, that I know you. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I know every hair there is on your head and I know if there's no hair on your head. 
And before you were born, I ordered your steps and I have called you to greatness. And I have a purpose and a plan for you. And trust that. And so don't get, don't get so caught up in the fact that maybe you are less than perfect. Trust in the hand that you're holding, that God has you and he'll keep you and he'll carry you. That's not the only question we deal with, right? It really, it really isn't. Moses, when, when God says, I am with you, Moses says, yes, but God, who are you? Who are you? God, suppose they asked me who sent me. What am I supposed to say? And in this, in this world that we live in, it, 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 it seems like the more things change, the more they stay the same. And we, we have this understanding that we are God's child and, and we have this understanding that we walk with God, but we get concerned that maybe the, the world won't understand who God is and, and, and the world won't appreciate who God is. And God, what if they say, so who is he? And God says something that is very profound. It's profound in the moment and it's profound still today. You see, in the days of Moses, names had significance, right? So names, names mean something, right? What does your name mean? Lisa, Lisa what does it mean? Who is like God? What does your name mean? Man of God. Man of God. What does your name mean? Enlightenment. Okay. So names mean a certain thing. So our daughter, we named our daughter Lauren. Do you know why we named her Lauren? Because it sounded cool. It really wasn't because it had some significant name. Judge me if you will. And I'm sure it has some great, some great, you know, name. In fact, I think it means strong, and, and she is strong. She's definitely strong-willed. And uh, so I'm just saying, Lauren, and, uh, and so, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should name her Brittany. But... Um, We, we choose names today much more because they're popular, but in, 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 in that day, names carried a, a much stronger essence to them. And, and this was, by the way, this was magnified when you talked about deities. So much so that in Egyptian belief, the, the Egyptians at this time, they worshiped many gods, but kind of the big god was this god named Ra. And Ra was the sun god, and, and the sun god, the sun was the originator of all things. So he was kind of like the, 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 he was El Jefe of the gods, right? He was the chief of the gods. And, and he, he, it, it was so significant that Ra was not his real name, but his real name was, never, was, was, was not revealed except to his daughter Isis. She was the only one who knew his real name. 
And so this idea of being sent by God and the Egyptians asking God, if they ask me what God sent me, if they ask me who you are, what will I say? What he's asking is this. He's asking God, what authority do I have? What, what do I have to stand on? And, and isn't, that, isn't that similar to the struggle that we have today? That when we come into God's house, we, we, man, we'll worship and we'll pray. Right? We'll exalt the name of Jesus. When we're in God's house, we'll come to the altar and we'll believe for miracles. But when we step outside those doors, oh, it's a different world. When we step into the classroom, when we, when we walk onto that campus, when we, when we step into the workplace, when we're interacting with our neighbors, it's a, it's a vastly different culture. It's a much more hostile climate. And God, we understand and we can embrace the authority in your house. But when we go into Egypt land and we stand before Pharaoh, And those people say, it's great that your God is with you, but who is he? And God gives this response. You tell them, the I am sent you. The I am sent you. It is, it is not just a line in the sand statement it is, it is actually, it is a response to even the Egyptian belief of this whole thing, their son, their, un, their unnamed son God. God says, listen, I am the God of gods. And, and, and understand this, that Moses, you are going in my authority. Jesus made this statement. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in that authority, I now commission you to go and to make disciples. Anderson, what that means, it means this, that the highest authority in all the land has placed his hand upon you and said, I'm sending you out in my name. And I'm sending you out in my authority. And so here's what you can tell them. You can tell them the very God of very God sent me. But, but what if they don't believe? But what if they don't believe? What, what about them, God? You've, you've answered the question of, of who I am and you've answered the question of who you are and God, I, 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 can, I can somewhat accept that I am who I am. I can somewhat accept that I'm a, I'm a son of the most high God. I can somewhat accept I'm a daughter of the most high God and, and God, I, I genuinely believe that you are, you are Lord of all. I've, I've sung it, God. I've proclaimed it. I've praised it. God, I believe it. But they don't. What about, what about them? 
And God asked Moses this question at the beginning of Exodus chapter four. He says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? See, you, you might not realize it, but you lack nothing as it relates to all that God has called you to do. You lack nothing. Everything you need, he's already given you. See, the anxiety that you feel when it comes to living for God and living out his purposes and being a witness for God in the world, it's not because you lack, it's because of these questions. Because we haven't reconciled these questions. And God says, what do you have? What do you have in your hand? I have a rod. He says, throw it down. And the rod becomes a snake. How do you feel about that? A little uncomfortable? See, there's a reason, there's a significance for the snake. Here's the significance for the snake. Have you ever seen the, the, the artifacts that they, that, they, that, they, that they pulled out of some of these Egyptian tombs? Have you seen the, 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 head, the headdresses that they pulled out of the tombs? What, is, what, do you, what do you regularly see that's at the center of the headdress of these tombs? A snake. That snake, by the way, that was the symbol of Pharaoh. It was a symbol of authority. And so, as that, as that rod is turned into a snake, it's, it's not abnormal that Moses would run from it. But God says this, Moses, I want you to grab hold of that snake. And Moses grabs hold of that snake by its tail and it turns back into a rod. And God says this, see, I've given you authority. And that's not just a message to Moses. That's a message to everyone. I've given you authority. He, he then says this, Moses, I want, you, I want you to put your hand into your, in, into your, into your cloak. And Moses puts his hand into his, into his cloak and he pulls it out. And his hands, it's, it's covered. It, it, it looks like he has leprosy. Listen, there's a significance to that. Because leprosy, it represented you being unclean. And if you were unclean, you could not be in God's presence. And so God is saying this. He's saying that I'm going to take that which, which should not be in my presence, and I'm going to remove it from my presence. And Pharaoh, because of who you are and because of the way that you operate, you are going to be disconnected from all authority. You're going to be disconnected from everything that you know. And then God says, Moses, if they don't believe that, what I want you to do is I want you to take water from the Nile and pour it out onto the ground and it will turn to blood. That is also incredibly significant because the Nile was their source of life. 
The Nile was a significant aspect of what made Egypt so strong because it was a mighty river. And out of that river, the, the Egyptians had this massive irrigation system for which everything came from the Nile. And so that, that water from the Nile being turned into blood, that was God saying, listen, I have authority over every, every element of provision you receive. And I can give it to you and I can take it from you. So God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to know this, that as I send you, I've already given you everything that you need, everything that you need to respond to issue of authority, everything that you need to respond to issue of identity and connection with me, and everything you need regarding the understanding of provision comes from God. I've given you everything you need. And just as God spoke to Moses there on the plains of Midian, he speaks to you this morning and he says, what do you have in your hand? See, you worry. If you go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in, you worry about how they will respond. God, what if they reject the message? And God says this, you're anxious, you're freaked out over nothing. Nothing. Because I've given you everything that you need to walk in authority. I've given you everything that you need to walk in that, that example of purity. And I've given you everything you need for the provision for life. Trust in it. And Moses gets to his last question. He's dealt with the question of identity. God, who am I? He's dealt with the question of authority. God, who are you? Who am I? God says, I am with you. Who are you? God says, I am the I am. He's, he's, he's dealt with the issue of what if they reject you, oh God? What about them? And God says, I've given you everything that you need to be more than a conqueror. And then Moses says this. He says, God, what, what about this? You see it there in the middle of Exodus chapter four. He says, God, I am, I am slow of speech. I am not very eloquent. And, and God, listen, this, this was true before the burning bush and God, it's still true now. Nothing's changed, God. You might be here calling me, telling me that you're sending me as a spokesperson, but God, even now, I, I, there's, no, there's no change, God. There's no change. Even as you've told me that, that you're with me, even as you told me that you're very God of very God, even as you've told me that everything, that you, everything I need to be more than a conqueror, you've already provided. God, I still can't speak good. And I love God's response to this. He says, Moses, who makes mouths? Who makes mouths? Here's what he's saying to Moses and what he wants to say to you today. I made you and I made you the way that I made you for a divine purpose. And so don't question how I made you. See, I made, I made, I made some people short. I made them short for a reason. I made some people tall. I made them tall for a reason. I made some people light-skinned. I made some people dark-skinned. I made some people that are extroverts. I made some people that are introverts. 
I made some people that have the gift of gab, and I've made some people that they're just much more deep thinkers. And I've made you the way that I made you. In fact, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I don't make junk. He's made you. And he's uniquely designed you and uniquely wired you for what he's called you to. And you might be here and you're called to be a painter. You're called to be a writer. You're called to be an accountant. You're called to be an attorney. You're called to be an engineer. You're called to be a missionary. You're called to be a teacher. You're called to be a business leader. You're called to be a factory worker. And that's somewhat unique to you. But we're all called to be a witness. We're all called to share the reality of who God is. We're all called to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in that his house, look around, that his house may be full. That's not my statement. That's scripture. It's right out of the word of God. He's called us to go into the highways and byways and compel them, but God, who am I? It's okay, I'm with you. But God, who are you? Oh, I am very God, a very God. I am the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. I am everything you need. But God, what if they don't believe? Oh, I've given you everything that you need to be more than successful. Trust and how I've equipped you. I I, I wouldn't send you out ill-equipped. I wouldn't send you out uninformed. Go out recognizing that you don't have to teach people deep theological truths. That's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to go out and compel them to come in. I've called you to go out and be a witness. A witness doesn't talk about what they don't know. A witness only talks about what they do know. Right? Somebody asks me questions that I don't know. You want to know what my answer is? I don't know. Let me tell you what I do know. And then there's so much about this thing, the Bible. Now, I've been studying this for a long time, and there's so much about it that I still don't know, but I know enough. Right? Can I tell you this? I get into Revelation, I get lost. Okay? Bowls and seals and, and otters, and I, I just I get lost. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, read some of, I read some of the Psalms, and it, 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 I go, I, I, David, I don't know where you were going. I think you were drunk when you wrote that. Okay. Song of Solomon, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Right? Even when I'm around my wife, I'm like, wow, that's too much. <sighs> but I, listen, I know enough. I, 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 know, I know how the word of God, how it, it just lays out this design of God. I know how I know how science has proven the word of God to be true. I know that there's been no archeological dig that has ever disproven scripture. But even today, archeological findings are, are proving that scripture's true. 
I know all these prophecies that were written thousands of years ago that are even today coming true that, that prove that this, this, this book, it's a living book. I know how as a 15-year-old boy laying in a hospital bed, how God got my attention. And, as, and I know as he, as he surrendered his life, or as, he, as, he, as I surrender my life to him, I know the difference that that makes. And it's made. I know he's, he's met my every need. I can't outgive him. I've experienced divine healing in my own body. I, I've, I've prayed for people and I've, I've seen the power of God do the impossible. I've seen documented by doctors, cancer gone. Diabetes disappear. One leg shorter than the other grow out to where the legs are perfect. This is stuff I've, I've, I've seen with my own eyes. I've been, I've been involved with in my, in my own life. I've, I've laid hands on the sick and I've seen the sick recover. So I have the, I have the, this incredible book that's been so scrutinized for centuries, but that's been proven over and over and over again. They can't kill it. They can't kill the word of God. And then I have this, this proof of my own life of how amazing God is. And you do too. This morning, if I asked in the house for everybody who's, who has experienced a bona fide miracle in their life, a miracle of healing, a miracle of provision, over 90% of the room will stand up. And yet, even when we have those burning bush, right? Even when we have the wonder of the burning bush, it's easy to go, but God, who am I? But God, who are you? But God, what about them? God, what about this? I love the fact that, that it tells us there in Exodus that God gets frustrated with Moses. I know that times God gets frustrated with me because I'm a bit hard-headed. And I, I sometimes I get stuck in my own, I, I get stuck in my own head, right? Rather than operating in faith, I get stuck in my own head and I start asking God a lot of questions. I get, I get anxious. But just as God faithfully responded to each one of Moses' questions, God's brought you here today to speak into your questions and to respond to every one of them and say, I am with you. I am everything you need.
I have given you everything that you need to live your life as more than a conqueror. And I made you the way that I made you. And I did it with an intentionality. So don't be afraid of what I've called you to do. Step into it. You know what Moses got to do? Moses got to stand in front of the most powerful person on the planet at that, at that time in history and say, the God of gods sent me to you to tell you to let his people go. Moses got to lead an entire nation out of bondage. Moses got to stand before the Red Sea. An army, an enemy army descending upon him. And to stretch forth his hand and watch this mighty sea split in two. The children of Israel walk across as if on dry land. And once they got across, he had the opportunity, that army that was coming after him, he saw, he, he saw God go watch this and, and his greatest adversary, his greatest threat just washed away. Friends, God has a divine plan for you. He's divinely positioned you. I want you to walk in it and embrace it. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.